The Bible reading is Matthew chapter 6, beginning to read at verse 5, and we're in the NIV for those of you on your phones. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Well, uh, what aspect of uh, communication do you find the most difficult? Is it choosing the right words? Using the right tone of voice? Consideration of what your posture or your gestures are doing? And when you have to stand up and give a speech in front of about 50 or so people for 20 to 25 minutes, you very quickly realise that there is a lot to think about when it comes to communication. And we know that communication, it's a basic human skill, and it's a skill that each of us have been practicing for literally our whole lives. And it's a skill we are continually practicing, and hopefully we're getting better at it. But how about communication in the form of prayer? How do we learn how to pray? What aspect of communication in prayer uh, do you find the most difficult? Answering those questions... That'll be the focus of today's talk, uh, which is titled, Prayer, How Do I Do It? That question of prayer, how do I do it, it's the same question that the disciples and the crowds had for Jesus in this passage from Matthew chapter 6 that was just read for us. And the first point that I want to make today about how we are to pray is that prayer is personal, not a performance. Prayer is personal, not a performance. So let's read uh, from verses 5 to 8 again. So there Jesus says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So remember back to last week when we looked at what prayer is and why we need to pray. 
have that one sentence definition of what prayer is, that it's a real personal connection with God in response to his character. And so this personal connection with God must not be turned into a performance for others to see and to hear. This is the warning that Jesus is giving in this passage. Jesus warns against being like people who perform their prayers so that they can be seen by as many people as possible, standing in the most prominent places for all to see. Jesus warns against being like people who perform their prayers so they can be heard by as many people as possible, rambling on with their elaborate vocabulary for everyone to hear. Jesus talks about people standing on street corners, praying loudly so that people can hear. Perhaps our modern-day equivalent is someone who stands in the middle of the food court at Marion Shopping Centre, prays loudly so everyone can, uh, who passes by can hear them. Maybe the modern-day equivalent is someone who posts a video of themselves praying online just so you know, everyone can see just how holy they are. But Jesus strongly warns against praying like this. For prayer performed so that it may be a spectacle uh, for others will not be rewarded. Rather than inspiring performance, Jesus encourages personal connection with the Heavenly Father. And to remove that temptation of performance and instead prioritise that personal connection, Jesus teaches that prayer should be done in private. So that's my first point about prayer and how we are to do it. We must, must remember that prayer is first and foremost a personal connection between us and God, not a display for everyone else to see. Now this may have you thinking, I've seen people stand up and pray in front of the whole church each and every week. Doesn't that disobey this teaching from Jesus about praying privately? It's a sensible question to ask. However, on both occasions in this passage uh, in Matthew, the hypocrite on the street corner and the babbler, Jesus is highlighting the motivation that lies behind the action rather than the action itself. So praying in public or praying with many words, neither of these things is inherently wrong. It's when these things are done so that they may be seen and be heard by others, well, that's when they're wrong. You know, so prayers can be said in public. They can be said with many words if they are said with a humble motivation that desires that the prayers be seen and be heard first and foremost by God. And adding on to that, last week we looked at the reason of why we need to pray. We saw that prayer is the way in which we honour God and we treat him as he deserves to be treated. So then if we're going to do this, well, we should pray when we meet together as a group of believers. Praying together, it confirms our common belief that prayer, it's an important thing to do. This is why we have people pray uh, and stand up at the front uh, when we gather together as a church. Not so that the person praying can be seen and heard by everyone, but that together as one united church, we can confirm our common belief and our common relationship with our Heavenly Father. Then we've addressed the motivation that should lie behind how we are to pray. So we are to pray with the motivation of seeking a personal relationship with God rather than performing for an audience. Prayer is personal, not a performance. Having considered the motivation, the next step in addressing the question of prayer, how do I do it, is actually figuring out, what do I say? 
The next part of our passage in Matthew chapter 6, we're looking at today, it addresses this very question. This passage is one that is well known to many of you, I'm sure of it. We know it as the Lord's Prayer. It's Jesus' instruction to his disciples on what they are to say when they are praying. And so following Jesus' teachings, Christians throughout history have prayed this exact prayer word for word countless times over. Christians today continue on in this tradition. This is a wise thing to do. How could you go wrong following the teaching of Jesus word for word? And so considering uh, the question of how we are to pray, what we are to say when we pray, we have the Lord's Prayer. Does this mean when we pray, we must follow the example of the Lord's Prayer exactly every time? Well, not at all. As has been said already many times during this series, prayer is a real personal connection with God in response to his character. Personal connections, personal relationships, they're not static, unchanging things. They're dynamic. They're, they evolve. After all, they are human relationships, not robot relationships, robotically following a set code of rules and instructions. But in saying that, we do have a few basic social interactions we do every single day that kind of do follow a simple set of rules and they're quite robotic. So generally, when we greet one another, one person will say, Hi, how are you going? The other person will say, Yeah, good, thanks. You probably had a conversation exactly like that when you came in through the doors earlier this morning. And that's generally how it goes most of the time. But not always. It's happened to me many times. I'm sure it's happened to all of us when the conversation hasn't quite gone to script. Someone says, hi. And we respond with, yeah, good, thanks. And they're like, oh, okay, I didn't actually ask. But, you know, that's, that's good to know. Or another one that can happen is you're, uh, you're leaving a friend's house. And they say, you know, safe travels. And you respond with, you too even though they're at their house, going nowhere. Well, these little slip-ups, they're pretty funny. Or more importantly, they show that in our human relationships, even those that have that kind of set pattern, well, they don't follow that set pattern all the time. And when we speak to one another, we don't end up having the same conversation over and over again. Conversation, it's not a mechanical thing. Rather, our conversations are variable and they have give and take as we listen to and as we respond to the other person and what they have to say. So all this is to say, we certainly can pray the Lord's Prayer word for word. That's a good thing to do. But our prayers can also be diverse and they can be dynamic. Just as our conversations with one another are not mechanical, our conversation with God in prayer is not mechanical either. Now, in the book of Psalms, it shows this really clearly for us. Psalms, it's that big book right in the middle of the Bible. It has 150 chapters, and they're all different poems and prayers and songs of praise uh, to God. 150 chapters. It'd be pretty boring if each of these chapters was exactly the same. But they're not, thankfully. There's great variety in the Psalms as the different authors experience different life situations, express a whole range of different emotions in prayer. Sadness, joy, grief, amazement. Many other emotions are expressed in the variety of the Psalms as they pray to God. Those of you this week who would have been 
uh, reading through the five hallelujah psalms that conclude the book, you would have noticed that even though these five psalms can be grouped together because of a common feature, they're all, there's still a difference between them. They're all still unique. So just like the different prayers in the psalms, our own prayers can be unique to each one of us as we experience that real personal relationship with God that prayer truly is. So this means that we can view the Lord's Prayer from two different angles. One angle that it's a finished product given to us by Jesus and we can follow it exactly word for word. As I said, this is a really good thing to do. The second angle is that we can see the elements that go into making the finished product. The elements that then can give us a structure and a framework for our own unique and personal prayers. And so when we look at the Lord's Prayer from this perspective, as well as all the other different prayers in the Psalms and the rest of the Bible, we can see that generally there's four different elements that contribute to the variety of prayers in the Bible. And so we can use these four different elements as the framework for our own unique prayers. So I'll step through the four elements in turn. So the first of these is adoration. Adoration, that's praise and worship. It's admiration for and recognition of who God is and what he's done. We see this in the Lord's Prayer that we read. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed, that's not really a word that we use uh, very frequently. May not be very familiar with what it means. Hallowed means to be treated as holy. So hallowed be your name. It's a declaration. It's a request that God's name be glorified amongst all people. His name be revered and honoured, respected, adored, praised and worshipped. Adoration then, it's the first element in the framework of how we are to pray. And the second element is confession. Well, this too we can find in the Lord's Prayer. For when we ask God to forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors, we are forced to pause and to consider what we're actually asking forgiveness for. What are our debts before the Almighty God? And like all prayer, confession is said in response to the character of God. Confession of our sin recognises the holy and the just character of God. Yet confession also recognises the character of God as full of mercy and compassion. One who is eager to offer forgiveness to those who confess their sins with repentant hearts. Right, then we're beginning to build our framework of how we are to pray. First element was adoration. Second was confession. The third is thanksgiving. Thanksgiving can naturally follow on after confession. For we have this assurance from the Apostle John in his first letter. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, there it says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Here we see that we can be thankful to God for his forgiveness. Of course, there are many other things that we can and should be thankful to God for. We can be thankful for the use and the beauty of the physical world. We can be thankful for the many blessings that each of us have in our own lives. We can be thankful for specific answers to prayer. Of course, we should be deeply thankful for the person and the work of Jesus. 
Now, I saw this image last year during one of the COVID lockdowns, and it was a really helpful reminder that we have so much to be thankful to God for. Because during lockdowns or other down points of our lives, it's so easy to focus on the negative things, to focus on what we don't have. And so this is a significant challenge. What if? What if you woke up tomorrow with only the things you thank God for today? What if? Well, Adoration, confession, thanksgiving... The final element of our framework on how to pray is supplication. Supplication, that means to make a request, to make a petition. We find this too in the Lord's Prayer. Give us today our daily bread. That's a supplication. But what does it actually mean to ask God to give us today our daily bread? Proverbs chapter 30, verse 8, it helps us understand. So in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 8, there it says, Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Because on the one hand, poverty, not having enough to survive, that can create bitterness towards God. Then on the other hand, riches, well, having more than enough, that can create pride and forgetfulness towards God. So then the request for daily bread is a request that we have exactly what we need today, so that we neither become bitter nor prideful and forgetful towards God. And the Lord's Prayer, it, therefore, it teaches that we can bring our own personal request to God. He's our Heavenly Father. And if we expand our viewpoint beyond just thinking about ourselves and our own requests, praying for other people and for their requests, well, that is a great way to express love for your neighbour. So this is something that we should be doing. So there you have it. The four elements of how we are to pray, helpfully they make the acronym of ACTS, so you can remember the elements of prayer. A, adoration, C, confession, T, thanksgiving, and S, supplication. With prayer being the way in which we respond to the character of God, I hope you see each of these different elements is a prayer that responds to a different characteristic of our God, who is creator, ruler, rescuer, provider. Now, it's good to remember that this ACTS framework that I've just explained, it's just that. It's a framework. It's not a formula. It's not something that needs to be followed step by step uh, exactly every time you pray. Because as I've said, prayer is personal conversation with God. It's diverse. It's dynamic. Like the conversations we have with each other in everyday life. The way that we can communicate in prayer can be unique and it can be done with variety. We have freedom in how we express ourselves in prayer. So in your own prayers, you could rearrange the order of the letters to be cats or scat or any other combination of the four. The order is not particularly important. Elements have just been listed in this order because uh, A-C-T-S, ACTS, well, that's helpful and easy acronym to remember. And if we continue this idea, it's not essential that when you pray you include each of these categories each and every time. There'll be times when it's very appropriate to focus solely on just one of the elements. A prayer solely of praise. A prayer solely of confession. Well, these prayers with a sole focus are good and proper prayers for us to pray. Find plenty of examples of such prayers in the Bible with a strong focus on a single element of prayer. Psalm 51 
That's a prayer of confession. Philippians chapter 1, verse 3, prayer, uh, sorry, Paul says that he is always praying with thankfulness. So whilst there are times when it's appropriate to focus solely on a single element of prayer, we must also be careful to apply this framework with balance across our days and our weeks and our lives. So we must be careful not to always focus on a single element of prayer and neglect the others. Because if we're always making requests to God when we pray, without ever praising Him, thanking Him, confessing our sins to Him, well then we're missing out on so much of what prayer is. And so our prayer life, it must be a balanced interaction of all the elements of adoration and confession, thanksgiving and supplication. Just as a balanced diet is most beneficial for physical health, a balanced prayer life, including all the different elements of prayer, is most beneficial for our spiritual health. Well, this then is my application for this week. Take this metaphor of a balanced diet further. Uh, So I want you to imagine for a moment. You have a consultation with a prayer nutritionist. The prayer nutritionist is going to examine your prayer diet. Of the elements of adoration, confession, thanksgiving and supplication, what elements would the nutritionist tell you that you're doing really well in? What elements need a bit more work? I want you to consider that question right now. Well, let's take 30 seconds to a minute, do some self-reflection. Then if you're comfortable doing so, why not share your reflections with uh, another person around you? There won't be any judgment. We all have areas of our prayer lives that we need uh, to work on. So why not share with another person, make a commitment to each other to focus on that area of your prayer life more this coming week. So let's take a few minutes to do that now. Then I'll come back and conclude uh, in prayer. Great to hear those conversations happening. Uh, Let me conclude in prayer and then uh, we'll continue uh, praying in response to what we've heard. So Heavenly Father, we praise you for who you are. We praise you as our creator, our ruler, our rescuer and our provider. We confess that we do not always love you and treat you as you deserve. We are sorry and please forgive us. We thank you that we can speak to you in prayer and we thank you that uh, you know each one of us individually. We can speak to you personally. Please give us exactly what we need today, our daily bread, so that we may glorify you all the more. Amen.